Amen. Let's stand. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Have your Bible. I want to read with us in the book of Luke, the 18th chapter. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And it is good to see the praise team back, some of them that we've been missing for a while. Amen. God bless them. Hallelujah. You know, uh, well, let me see what to do here. There's a couple things I want to talk about before I read that. But if I go to reading it, I'm going to start preaching. Let's just pray first, and I'm going to let you be seated. And I just want to mention some things to you. Father, we love you. We just thank you for the word of God today that is, Lord God, illuminating our path. Thank you, Father, for the spirit of God that dwells within us. Thank you for your presence, your power, your promises. We pray, God, that you would continue to lead God and direct by your spirit. We yield to you today. Yield to your word. Yield to your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn around and wave at somebody. Amen. Just wave at them, tell them how good it is to see them this morning. I want to talk to you about not losing heart today. Do not lose heart. It's taken literally out of the word of God in uh, Luke 18, and we'll get to that in a second in verse 1, where Jesus said that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. I was talking with Pastor Johanna back in the office this morning. We were talking about several things, and it's kind of our time to, to meet and go over some things that maybe sometimes we need to. And uh, But I was telling her she was talking about she was going to help help someone, uh, help them get to the uh, merchant room, not, you know, anyway. But uh, I, w I read this week where over 60% of our country right now, according to this medical news thing, was are suffering from some type of anxiety or depression. Uh, due to all this going on. They either worried about the COVID, they worried about the election, they worried about the violence, they worried about this, they worried about that. In other words, there's, there's a myriad of things that people are concerned about. And, uh, and it talked about in this article how the increase of, uh, of abusive drugs and different things where people are turning to a lot of things. People are getting more on uh, medicines for de antidepressants and all type things to try and to deal with the anxiety and the fear and all the things that's going on in, in their lives. And, and uh, we were talking, you know, how, how do you make it in any time, but especially times like this, without that, that anchor of hope in your heart of, without the Lord? Uh, you know, I've, I've been really excited. I, uh, even in the last few weeks, I'm going to say the last two weeks, I've just noticed an upsurge. I'll say that through this local congregation and out of our ministry, of just wonderful, prophetic, miracle things that have happened. Uh, even last Sunday while we were ministering, I, I had a, uh, a person to, uh, to email me immediately following the service, and uh, I did send it to, the, I'll protect her identity, but many of you would know her if I told you who it was. But she sent this to me at 1.30 last Sunday after we had had service here, and she just said I wanted you to know that I went to bed last night with the worst pain in my lower back that I've ever had. I barely could sleep. Don't know how or why. Uh, I had it started early in the day, but by this morning, it was so bad that I couldn't even take a deep breath. I listened to the service on Facebook Live and got healed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, just an awesome uh, presence of God, and, and we were we were ministering and talking about and giving testimony last Sunday, as you remember, probably about healing. And then Monday, I got up and I had a person that I, man, I probably hadn't talked to or even seen in, I don't know, ten or twenty years. Uh, I know the person, and uh, they live in in Cook County, and and uh, he he uh, messaged me. You know, the Facebook thing's kind of cool because people can can get to you that normally probably couldn't. And uh, he messaged me, and he just said, I just wanted to share something with you, how that your life and ministry has had an impact not only on, my, on my, me, and my, me and my wife. And by the way, this person never attended my church, any church I've pastored. I didn't even really realize that they had some of my CDs from years ago. And uh, he said, I got a series of CDs that you taught on healing. 
and he said that when my young my son was in high school, he got a hold of those, and he started listening to them, and he would listen to them often. And uh, and his son now lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and has been signed to a recording contract with a country music uh, artist uh, group or whatever, I forget the name of the company that signed him on. And so he's doing really well. He's touring with a lot of the big-name uh, country stars. And uh, he said, I, I want you to go to YouTube and watch this clip. He was down in Florida just a couple of weeks ago sharing his uh, testimony. He was giving a testimony. He actually went down there to sing, and, uh, but he, he ended up giving his testimony. And he said he mentioned you in it. And he said, I just wanted you to listen to what he said. And, and so he told me what, you know, parts to go and listen to. And, and, uh, and I listened to quite a bit of it. And I had never even heard the guy sing. He's really talented, obviously, if a Nashville recording company has signed him. But, he, but, you know, just a young guy. And his name is Jordan. Is that right? Jordan uh, Rowe. If you want to check him out, not now while I'm preaching. But, <laughs> but uh uh, you know, he's up and coming and, and believing for good things. But just a great man. I've, I've never even had any contact with him. But in his testimony, he was giving this testimony that how he would listen to these healing tapes. And he said his favorite one that I had taught on was titled Healing Our Inheritance. Uh, healing is our inheritance. And he said he was so touched by that. And this is, I want you to think about this as a high school guy back then. He, he's, he's I'm, I'm assuming early 20s now or whatever. I don't know how old he is. But uh, he said that he had, he had listened to that CD, you know, and, and, uh, and he just wanted to be used of the Lord. He just wanted, you know, God to use him. He wanted to see people healed. And as a high schooler, I think, I don't know if he's 11th, 12th, he was down here in Valdosta. Austin. He felt like the, the Lord just impressed on his heart that he was to go to the hospital. So he, went, he pulled up at South Georgia Medical Center. And I'm kind of speeding it up, but he pulled into the parking lot, and he's like, well, I look around, I don't see anything going on here in the parking lot. So I guess I'll have to go in, God. And uh, so I don't even know where to go, but I'll just go in. So he went in the hospital, and he went in the elevator. And, he, and of course, he's praying this whole time. you know. And, but he feels that God's leading him to do this. And he, and he gets in the elevator, and he says, all right, God, you got to tell me what floor. You know, I don't even have a clue what floor. And he said, he, just an impression of the three, go to three, you know. And he said, about the time the doors were closed, a nurse was you know, dashing to make it. He stuck his arm out and opened the elevator and he just said that he, you know, just tried to see if God would confirm it for him. He said, you know, what floor? Because he was standing by the buttons. And she said, third floor. So he mashed three. So he knew that he was going to the right floor at least. It felt that God said, he said, when the elevator's open, you know, you could go straight down the hall, you could turn to the right, go to the left, down all, you know, you had three choices. And he said, and in his heart, he's just praying, God, tell me where to go. He said, go left. And he turned left and walked all the way down, not knowing anybody, not knowing, having any person that he knew was in the hospital. And he walked all the way down the hall, and on the far right room, there was a, uh, I believe it was a man lying in the bed, the wife or somebody was on the phone there. And, and, and he just felt drawn to that room. He just said, he just stepped in the room. He said, listen, I don't want y'all to freak out or anything. I know you don't, you don't know me, and I don't know you, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to come and pray for you. And, the, and the, uh, the wife immediately began to weep. And, and God just did an awesome thing there. Uh, uh, you know, what I've, what I've always heard preachers say, and I believe it, I mean, what God reveals, he heals. What would be the purpose of God leading a guy there if God wasn't going to, you know what I'm saying? So when the Lord moves in that kind of way, you just, you just believe that, accept that. I, I, you know, and I'm not challenging you with that, but I'm trying to encourage you with that. Man, you, you just just allow the Lord to, to use you. And, and, and it begins with a desire to be used of the Lord. It begins with a heart that says, Lord, I'm willing. It don't have to be something spectacular off the map or whatever. But, you know, those impressions, that, that inward voice, that, that knowing, your knower goes off. You don't know why you know it, you just know it. Uh, we, we've said it that way before. And God's leading you. And it may be, it may be to to just step up to a person and say hello. I mean, there's a lot of things that can develop just by that first step of obedience to the, to the leadership or the prompting of God's nudging. How about that? And just, so I encourage you this week and every week, just be, you know, and sometimes you have to just tell God, hey, I'm here if you need me now. <laughs> you know, you just have to position yourself in your thoughts and everything to be, 
use. But I thought that was so cool, you know, and I, I would have never thought that kid even knew, knew me. But God's putting him now in Nashville, Tennessee, around some of the major stars. He's in a position to, 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 for the Lord to use him in a mighty way to, you know, in, in influence and people that, that can touch so many, you know, people that's touching millions of people. And they, uh, his dad even told me some of the, the major stars, I won't start naming all, you know, that he's uh, in contact with now. It's just, it's just an amazing thing. And I would have never thought that. I didn't even know his dad had any of the CDs. But I, I believe God's trying to encourage me too that, that there's, there's so much more going on and there's so many uh, avenues and streams and rivers of the ministry that's affecting people's lives that we don't even got a clue. There's far more than what's going on here. On, you know, and I'm, I thank God for the Sunday morning, but there's so much more going on here than, than, than what we can even I can see. And so I want you to be encouraged with that. And, 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 I, and, you know, and that's just part of I, I appreciate those that support and, you know, the ministry here because it's, it's, it's reaching really all over. So many people, you know, uh, let us know that they're watching in different places in Texas and California and Michigan. And I'm not making up those places. I mean, these people are letting us know. And if you're watching on Facebook and, and you know, if it's blessing you, just share it with somebody or make a comment. Take time, you know, to comment and say, hey, we're watching. And I know a lot of you do, and we appreciate you doing that. Because that encourages us. It encourages me. And, uh, you know, when, when, uh, when we minister, and just like that, you know, uh, that young man, you know, going to the hospital to minister, we can minister, I would say, like two ways. We can minister out of power or we can minister out of authority. Now, we're all, we're all in the ministry. Do you realize that? The Bible said that God has given all of us the ministry of reconciliation and to let people know that, that, that God has reconciled himself to man through the forgiveness of sin. And now all they have to do is believe in that and be reconciled to God. Amen. Because God's already reconciled His heart toward us, and uh, but uh, so I would say the power ministry is when, 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 when the atmosphere is conducive for it. In other words, you feel led to do something, and and that comes when you got the praise going or even the preaching going and things like that, and and you can feel led in that atmosphere. And listen to me, atmosphere is extremely important. You remember in Mark five when Jesus was called to go to the house of. Uh, Jairus's daughter, remember the little 12-year-old girl, and actually she was already dead. And when Jesus got in there, you know, they were mourning and wailing and weeping and, and very loudly doing all of that, and the place was packed. And remember Jesus went in with the mother and the dad, and he went in with three Peter, James, and John, also accompanied him into that home. And, and, and listen to what the Bible says. When Jesus went into that home, in that, in that atmosphere, first thing Jesus do is, did is he said... he. He put them all out. Now, you can't dress that up any pretty. I mean, Jesus just kicked them out, man. He's like, get out. All of y'all. Hit the bricks. You know what I mean? He emptied the place. Why would Jesus do that? Because atmosphere is important. See, all that was was atmosphere of unbelief and death, and they're ready to bury the girl. Jesus is ready to raise her from the dead. And so he had to get the atmosphere, you know, he, he, he got the atmosphere right. So it said when he had put them all out, then he, the mom and dad, and his three apostles, to me are symbolic of the five-fold ministry. There was five of them went in there. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And, and he went in there and he said, Talitha Kumai, which is uh, Arabic, and he said, which is damsel arise. And he took her by the hand and she sat up. And then Jesus said, give her, you know, get her some Captain Crunch or something to eat. I mean, give her, because I'm going to open the door and I'm going to let that bunch back in. And when they come in, if they don't see her eating cereal, they're going to think she's a spirit. Come on, y'all. That's the word of God. And, 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 and so he said, give her something to eat. So the, the, instead of a room full of people getting to see a miracle, only five people got to see it. Atmosphere is very important. And, and the, the Bible said, you know, that, that he could not do. This is Jesus, which is God in the flesh. The Bible didn't say it was hard for him to do miracles. He said he could do no mighty miracles there, comma, except that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. We can't even do that, hardly. But what's that saying to us? In other words, the atmosphere, if the atmosphere in a wrong atmosphere can shut down God, 
In other words, if a wrong atmosphere, an atmosphere of unbelief and doubt can shut down Jesus Christ, what kind of help do we, it'll do the same to us. Atmosphere is important. Come on, y'all. The, the, the enemy uses atmosphere, right? You don't play Luther Vandross just because you want to. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't look at her and look at me like What you doing with all that? You setting an atmosphere. You ain't got a guy taking a girl out playing a marching band in the background. He, that ain't the kind of music he's looking for because he's looking for a different atmosphere. So the atmosphere has got a lot to do with what happens in that atmosphere. Are you with me? And so, but Jesus said he couldn't do no mighty miracles there except that he laid his hands now listen to me, this is the point I want you to get. The atmosphere may can affect us adversely, but it can't shut you down. In other words, you with an a, a atmosphere, not you here, but an atmosphere of unbelief and doubt can shut down what God would really desire to do in, in there, but it can't stop what's on the inside of me. And I can lay my hands on people and, you can't, and the enemy can't stop that flow. Of that that's on the inside, such as I have given unto thee, right? And and so even though there's an atmosphere like it, so I just want you know, and then so that's you know atmosphere that's kind of like power. But I want you to know you're not limited because it's not what you feel; it's who you know. And the second way we minister is out of authority, and authority is we know what God would do if He was here, on, on earth, as it is in heaven. So so that's where. You know, I would call it like this. Power is when you ride the wave. Authority is when you start the wave. So an authority, you know, like, well, I just know. And so um, what, what, what's my, what's my uh, God, I can't think of the guy's name, the, 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 uh, the plumber that would put the dead people up against the wall and command them to. Yes, thank you, Ken. Smith Wigglesworth. Man, I've read a book that thick on the guy's life. You know, I should remember that. But, I mean, he was just a regular guy. He was a mighty, mighty man of God. And he was used to raise many people from the dead. And he was a plumber. And, uh, and, and, and this was a common saying of his. But he would be in a place and he would sense unbelief and doubt and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and he couldn't see God moving, so to speak, in, in anything. And, and, and he would say, if God's not moving in this auditorium, I'll move God. And how would he move God? Because he would just step out in faith to do what he knew that Jesus would do if he was there. So if Jesus was here, he would pray for that person. If Jesus was here, he would heal that person. And so he would just step out whether he felt goosebumps or not. He would just do it. And you and I are not limited to what we feel. And even if the atmosphere is not fantastic, we're still able to do what God has called us to do if we'll step out in faith. Now, Luke 18 is a parable that is familiar to a lot of people. But listen, it's one of the most misunderstood parables in all the church. Jesus, uh, in verse 1, he is speaking a parable to them. And this is what he says, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. The King James says not to faint. Uh, but men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying... There was a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was a widow in that city. I started to entitle this message, The Widow That Could. <laughs> you heard of the train that could, right? The little engine that could. We could say the little widow that could. Now, there was a certain widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary, and he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man. In other words, I don't like God or people. Okay? Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. He, Jesus is talking. He says, now I want you to hear what that unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? And that's a question mark behind that. In other words, will God keep doing delaying? No, no. The implication is, of course not. He says, I tell you that he will avenge them how? Speedily. 
Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Now, the lessons that most Christians take from this parable, from this story, is that we need to persistently bombard the gates of heaven, crying out to God day and night until we get what we want. And, the, and anybody, any preacher or anybody that teaches or writes on this parable, they make it about the widow. And they call it the persistent widow. And they highlight her persistence and her unwillingness to give up. Though she is weak, she persists and she eventually overcomes. And they, and they teach us that what the, the, the main thing of the parable is, is persistence in prayer. But that's not the main thing of the parable at all. The parable includes persistence and the Bible is for persistence. And without that in your life in multiple areas, you're going to have some problems. Because you're going to have to be persistent in many areas of your life. Or it's going to cost you greatly. Are you with me? But, but what you got to see is that even still, our approach to prayer and our approach to God has been influenced wrongly by wrong application of verses and parables like this. And so, uh, you know, and I, used to, I grew up hearing that. Prayer's hard work. Bombard heaven. Give God no rest. You ever heard those kind of sayings? And depending on the severity, now some of you ain't going to like this, and hallelujah, that's my job, okay? But see, so, so here's how people pray. They, you know, they, 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 they want to bombard heaven because what they're basing that on is like this woman here. In other words, we've got to be persistent. And, 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 and listen, if you have prayed for something, for a breakthrough, we'll just call it a breakthrough, uh, in any area of your life, and it has not happened yet, then this is what I want you to know. I want you to know it's perfectly fine to pray for that again. But I also want you to know, because there is no prayer limit. In other words, God don't say in the Bible, pray one time, you better not pray again. Now, I've heard preachers say that. Uh, but I want you to know that if you've prayed and you haven't got what you pray for, it's perfectly fine to pray again. God's not going to be mad at you. But I also want you to know it's perfectly fine not to pray again and to stand in the faith that the prayer you prayed the first time was heard and will be answered. Now, either one of those, I want you to know, I'm not trying to be political or anything. It's just correct. Because you've got a loving Father that loves you, and you can talk to him, which that's what prayer is, communicating with God, as often as you want about anything you want, and he's there. Okay? But what is not fine is to subscribe to a method of praying that suggests that God rewards our praying effort. In other words, that, that God's rewarding us because we hung in there. That is, that is uh, it's just not a nice way to say what that is. That's demonic. Because it attacks the nature and the character of who your father is. And, and so, so, you know, to say that we need to pray again and again and again and again until God does something, to pray like that, listen to me, to pray like that suggests that God is either deaf and can't hear your prayer or he is reluctant to help you. Neither of those things is true. Neither one of those things are true. Listen, does God hear our prayers? Does God hear short prayers? In fact, when Jesus spoke about prayer, he encouraged us to pray short prayers. I didn't think I'd get an amen on that. But that's what he said in Matthew 6 and 7. He said, why do you pray like the pagans do, like the heathen do? For they think they will be heard by their long prayers, by their much speaking, by their many words. But he said, don't be like that. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need even before you ask him. He wants you to ask and ask in faith, but don't think that God hears your prayer because you pray for a long time. Don't think that God loves you more because you pray. I pray four hours a day. That's fine. God bless you. But you could be fueling four hours of prayer because you don't know the nature and the character of who you're talking to. See, a lot of people believe that when there is a crisis, 
you have to get a lot of people praying for you or your crisis. This is, listen, don't get mad now. Don't send me nothing. I know how to delete fast. They think that, you, that God is like a government person who that you have to get a petition together, and the more signatures you have on the petition, the more likely you are to get what you're asking for. I've got a 1,000 people praying right now for this healing. Really? Because you think that God hears the prayers of a 1,000 people more than he hears the prayers of the one. And that is blasphemy. That makes God out not to be a father, and surely not even a loving father at that, but to be some unjust judge whom you must impress by the labor it took you to get a 1,000 signatures. Or the work, it, you see, now this is the whole, I'm not against prayer change, but this is the impetus behind prayer change. Oh, we've got a crisis. Let's get as many people praying. Or I see it all the time on Facebook. This has happened. This child's been hurt or this has happened. Let's get as many people praying as we possibly can. Because deep down in, in the heart of hearts, they think that they're going to be heard because of the numbers. And, 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 and their view like that breaks my heart because it reveals that they don't really know how good the father is. They, they don't think that he is a good father. What good father would, you know, you got several kids. I got three kids where they would come and say, you know, uh, I need this. Or my grandkids got four of them. You know, say, Poppy, I need this. And I say, well, go back and get your other, you know, cohorts. And, you know, all y'all come, I might do it. Or just ask again. Just keep on asking. I'm trying to build up your stamina. God's not like that. God's not like that at all. Is it wrong to get as many people praying? No. No. But if you think that, see, this is what breaks my heart. And I know I've mentioned this before. If you think that God hears the prayers of the many over the prayers of one, then you're, you, you don't understand his character and nature. And that breaks my heart. If, if you think that God wants you to be persistent, just because he's kind of, you know, it's a game. That breaks my heart. See, the Bible said that men ought to always pray and not lose heart. How do you lose heart? Now, if I said to you, what does it mean to lose heart? You would say, well, it means to get depressed or to, you know, just, just you don't have the oomph no more to do it. You, so, so let me ask you this. Why... The, why do not men always pray? Because they lose heart. What does it look like? We know the natural ring, but I, in, the, in the Greek here, the word is a bit different than our natural definition of what it would mean to lose heart. And, and what it, in the Bible, the words that, that Jesus used here that's translated into our English, lose heart, or the King James faint, is a word, is two words. Lose heart means no, don't, no, don't, bad or evil. In other words, so through the, the, uh, the Greek language here, he's showing us what it looks like to actually lose heart. What it looks like is that you're in evil. You're in bad. I don't think you're catching me yet. What it means is you are focused on the negative and the problem more so than you are on the solution and the answer. And if you, if you become more focused on the problem, you'll lose heart. And you won't pray because you'll give up. And that's what Jesus is going. Don't do that. And there's a reason you do that. Now, how many of us, let's just be, let's, let's, okay, we're in church. Come on, let's be honest. Just for a couple of minutes. How many of us, I'm saying us, how many of us have ever had problems, situations in our life that made it difficult for us to sleep? We didn't sleep. We paced and tossed and walked and whatever and, and it, all night, whatever, or most of the night or half. Besides me, anybody in the building? Okay, now we know that all of us know how to meditate. <laughs> See how I did that? So the fact that you and I would worry to that level that it would remove our ability to sleep proves to us that we know 
how to meditate, which the Bible encourages. We just need to change the subject matter. <laughs> so if you meditate on the wrong thing, you become immersed in evil, in the bad. And if you become immersed in the evil and the bad, you'll lose heart. And if you lose heart, you won't pray. And if you don't pray, you won't receive the answers to prayers that you're not praying. And the will of the Lord is not being manifested because we're not praying on earth like it is in heaven. Are you with me? Does that make sense now? So we just have to focus on what's proper to focus on. Now, it's not saying deny, I'm not saying deny your problems. They don't exist. I'm just saying don't allow that problem to become bigger than God. That's why David said in the Psalms, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us together exalt his name. How can you magnify God? You can't make God larger than he is. But you can make God larger to you than he has previously been. Magnify the Lord. Don't magnify the problem. Don't magnify the COVID. Don't magnify, yeah, I, mean, I understand. Don't magnify all these things. That's what's going on in our country right now is people are just so focused on the problems and the violence. And, this, and that's why me years ago, long before this, I had to just about dial down to 1% the media influence that I allow to come into my life. Because I, I, I mean, I, I, I know where the depression pit is and can lead tours to it if you want to go. You see what I'm saying? Because I have visited it many times and fallen into it a few times. You just don't want to do that. And, and, and even now, sometimes, I, you know, it just depends. Days are days and different days. But I can feel myself sometimes swerving to the wrong side of the road. Mm-mm. I'm not, yeah, I mean, what if, what if, what if, what if the church don't make it? What if, the, you know, you, you just start going through all this, what if? Man, you can put yourself in a hole. And so you have to resist that. Men ought to always pray and not lose heart, not faint. Don't get immersed in the evil that is all around us. I've seen, have had many people tell me here lately, well, I'm, just, I'm coming off Facebook, or I've come off Facebook, I just can't take all the political yan-yan back, and I just can't take all of this and can't take, well, that's cool, man. You need, I mean, you need to do what's healthy for you and what will help you stay focused on what God is doing. Because God is doing some amazing things, and that's why I wanted to start this out. You know, and we talked about it, when Becky came up last Sunday and did an awesome job giving testimony and, and Man, I love when God does stuff like that. When I see people like that that are just so touched by God and their hearts are full and their eyes are full of tears and, and they're just like, oh, God, you're so good. You know, Man, I love that. I wish that could be like that every day, not just every Sunday, every day. And I'm like, come on, God. I mean, pick up the frequency of that stuff. How about it? You know, and, you know, and, but I, and I do pray. I pray. I pray. I pray every Sunday. I pray today. God, you know. Who, who is that person? I mean, what is it, you know? And, and I would say most everything God shows me and stuff is, is through prophetic dreams. And then I'll, you know, uh, but I've never gotten one dream ever from the Lord that I ever prayed for. In other words, when I prayed for a dream, man, I would tell you I had a dream that night, and I'd tell you it wasn't from God, you know what I'm saying? Because he ain't the only one transmitting stuff. And the enemy tried to discourage. Well, why'd you why'd you dream? I don't know. I can't control my dreams. If I had a USB plug behind my ear, you could put on video. Though, I could be selling me, making me some money. You know what I'm saying? I, I dream some weird stuff, man. It'd be on sci-fi. I dreamed last night, like last night, man. This, this my dreams. Just I dream every night. How many of you dream every night? You dream every night. Man, are we that few in here? Or are you just ignoring me? How many of you dream vividly every night and you remember what you dream? Now, every one of you people, stand up if you, if you raise your hand. Stand up. I'm not going to make you come down here or nothing. Just stand up. But I do want to highlight something to you. That on being on this earth for 60 years, 
it doesn't mean the rest of you are not now. But you are extremely bent toward the prophetic. All of you that are standing. And you, so if, I'm, I'm telling you you are. <laughs> sit down. You sit down. And you just need to be aware of that. And God's going to communicate with you. I remember years ago, it would have been in... Uh, uh, 97, I guess. Uh, but, in, 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 of course, this is kind of, this has been a while back. But I remember I had went up to Tifton on a Sunday night. I'd preached up for a uh, new covenant up there from Mike Hobbs and came home. And um, it was on November, the, the, the end of the year, I think the 31st, and the next day was November the 1st. would have been that Monday. And, uh, but in my dream, and I had never seen this before, but in my dream that night, I actually saw the Lord. It's, it's just kind of hard to explain. And people want to know what they look like and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, and again, in your prophetic dream, you just know the Lord. And, and, and God, dreams are just one way God communicates. But anyway, the Lord came to me in a dream. I knew it was him. And this was in the middle of the night. And this is all he said to me. He said, arise and study the Edmund Fitzgerald. That's all he said. And it immediately woke me out of a sleep. He said, arise and study the Edmund Fitzgerald. So I did what he said. I got out of the bed. And I went to my office 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And this is early a.m., November the 1st. And so I got on the computer, and, and even then we could search stuff, you know. And I started searching out the Edmund Fitzgerald. And I remembered the Edmund Fitzgerald was a ship that sunk in Lake Superior. And uh, because I remember it, because Gordon Lightfoot, I graduated in 77. Gordon Lightfoot had, in the 70s, done a song that went to the top of the charts about the sinking of the, of the Fitzgerald. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I remembered it. And, and But I got to looking, and, and I was looking at the information, and just I was doing what God said, study the Edmund Fitzgerald. And when I saw that, I saw that November the 10th, uh, 1975, is when that, sank, that you know, it, it sunk on Lake Superior storm just took it out this mighty iron ore carrier that had made that trip hundreds and hundreds of times and uh and you say what in the world would god speak to you about a boat sinking for because it was symbolic god didn't cause it but how many times you ever heard a message maybe in your earlier life where preachers would reference the titanic and preach from it a lot of times they try to scare you with that kind of stuff but 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 i, I knew god was speaking to me and i wrote about it and it's too long to get into here but when I looked on the calendar of that morning at a.m. and I saw that, that November the 10th, 23 years prior to that moment, that that thing sunk in Lake Superior, the Spirit of the Lord came on me strong. And God said, I'm gonna, there will be a sign on that exact same day. On that exact same day, there will be a sign. I didn't know what the sign would be, but I knew that was God's voice. Now, that was on Monday. I went to church Wednesday night, and I told that to my church. We had Wednesday night services those days when we were really saved. Y'all remember that? And uh, so I told them that what had happened, the experience I had, and, uh, you know, and they was looking at me like, eh, you know, but God was just unpacking that thing for me. And then in, uh, so we, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday goes by, Saturday, uh, you know, Sunday church. I referenced it again Sunday. And we were coming up on the 10th. And I didn't know what the sign would be. And I'm done out there. I done wrote the check. We've got to see if it clears the bank. You know what I'm saying? Prophetically. And I didn't know what the sign was. I didn't know if God was going to do something. There was something that he was trying to show me about Fitzgerald, Georgia. I, I didn't know how God works stuff, you know. But, it's, you know, the Bible says it's the, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. But it's the honor of kings to search it out. And God, you know, the, in, in Revelation, it's not for the lazy. You don't earn it. But God, that's why the gold don't just lay out on the streets. It's deep inside the mountain. It's not for lazy people to get it, but it's precious. You understand? Do you, you understand what I'm trying to say? And, and so, so Monday morning, I remember I had a, a staff meeting with, with some of my pastors. And I was kind of verbally kind of griping about stuff. I know you've never done that, but I was kind of just to them. I was just saying, you know, man, I'm just, I'm just sick of the mundane. I want God to do something. And I said, I was up in, we was up in Charlotte. Uh, at a Morningstar conference some, you know, months ago. And, and I said, Bob Jones, and he's, he's with the Lord now, but this mighty prophet, man, he, you know, uh, 
Bob's just been recorded for just amazing things he's, God's used him. And Bob Jones called out, me and Jill, we were standing there with a bunch of preachers, and he come over and laid hands on both of us, me and my wife, and, 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 and prayed for us and prophesied over us. And, uh, you know, and I was telling one of my pastors, in fact, it was Pastor Junior Jesus preached here several times. I said, you know, God, I said, God, just don't use me like that and that kind of big stuff. I said, you know, Bob Jones, God will speak, and, you know, he'll say, I'm going to ride in this town, and it'll be snowing when I get there or something, and it'll be, and he's supposed to snow. I mean, I said, that, you know, that's just, I said, I'm just tired of the low level, you know, and, and so I was kind of just venting, you call it, you know, and I don't, you know, so, so that was Monday night. Tuesday night, I'm at home, and we're coming up, I think the Wednesday would have, yeah, Wednesday's going to be the 10th, and, uh. Or no, it's Monday night, maybe. I don't, you have to look on the calendar. And, and uh, so at 6 o'clock, we just for some reason didn't have the TV on. And at 6 o'clock, my phone started ringing from my members. And they started calling and saying, turn on the, the news. They said they're talking about the Edmund Fitzgerald on all the stations. And on the Weather Channel. And back then, all I, I had a satellite deal, and all I got was the Weather Channel. And I turned on the Weather Channel, and my wife, I remember, I turned it on, and it had on the backdrop, you know, I know it's a green screen, but on the backdrop, it says, Ominous Anniversary. And it had November 10th, 1975, uh, November 10th, 19, it was either 97, 98, whatever it was. And uh, in other words, the, the exact same type storm was going to hit on Lake Superior, the one that took down the Fitzgerald on that exact same anniversary date. And it was all over all the news, and it was, going, it was on all the major stations. This storm that hit, and I've, got, I've still got the NOAA thing, it broke all low barometric pressure readings of any winter storm ever. Uh, it's, it's the storm that caused them to start categorizing winter storms as they do hurricanes and so forth, trying to give them a category so that they can try to express how intense the storms are. I, I was blown away. My phone just was ringing one after another. I talked to one church member. They'd hang up. they said, Pastor, you mentioned, you know, and you got to understand that was 10 days ago with nothing on nothing, and I told them that there would be a sign on that day. And God told me to study the Edmund Fitzgerald. Now everybody's talking about the Edmund Fitzgerald, and they hadn't talked about it in 23 years. And it's all over the news. Why, why, what was God saying? And I know you're curious. You, some of you looking at me like, what's, it, what's this got to do with price cheese? Uh, let me tell you the real short version. God was giving us 10 years. He gave us a decade to warn about the economic thing that was coming. When the, when the housing market in 2007, uh, all that, God gave us 10 years warning. And I remember I began to declare that, and God, God gave 10 years warning, and, but, but the, the, you know, the housing, people were stacking the teacups so high, you couldn't get nobody to listen to you. You couldn't get nobody to listen to you. And I preached it a while for a few years, and I finally just got tired of, you know, I, I just say, I just wore out with it. And, and, and God showed me that, and I began to speak those things, and I wrote these things, and so I'm not making it up. And I'm not trying to say this for you to think I'm nothing. I will tell you that when I went to church that Wednesday night following that happening, we had a bunch of wild-eyed <laughs> peoples out there. I even had a family leave the church because I, I was so accurate on the prophetic on that because the guy got scared, his wife said. He, you know, it was like he was scared I could see everything. I'm thankful that I can't. And uh, I don't know what the everything he was worried about, <laughs> but he didn't come back. Kind of like when Jesus cast the demons out the hogs. People say, go away, don't come back. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean you're trying to figure out, what this is a move of God. What are you doing? But I went through that thing and line by line, and God was speaking prophetically and warning that these things were coming. I remember that God showed me in that same week in that encounter. And this is the truth, and I wrote about it long before it ever happened. I, you know, that God showed me that the same kind of things that the enemy used, you know, same kind of thing that they was that those things was would would be manifested again. I even saw the West Nile virus before it was ever even printed. I, I I still got it in my file. The first and I wrote about it a year before it happened. I wrote about it. So all this is documented. And the first thing that it hit was in New York City where four people had contracted it. West Nile virus. It was that same thing that happened in Egypt. Same things was going on. And, and so God's got the ability and the desire to speak to us. 
Now, when you've had some real high-level revelations, because he once, and I remember that pastor that I was griping to, like Pastor Junior called me, and he was like, he was cutting up with me, but he was picking at me. He said, because I had to meet with him, remember, and I'm fussing about God, don't use me on bigger stuff. He said, no, Pastor, God don't speak to you at all. <laughs> and he was, he said, I'm sitting here watching the Weather Channel, and they got Edmund Fitzgerald on the back screen. He said, no, man, God don't ever speak to you. You know, he was picking at me a little bit. Now, I remember so many of our people call, and, and for a while there in, in my church, it brought the level of the respect, I guess you could say, for God and the prophetic to such a high level that God began to move in a mighty way in our church for, for months prophetically. And it was every service because the people came expecting and their faith was elevated and, 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 and God met them at the point of their faith. And, and, and we, we just saw mighty, mighty things and just awesome, awesome things. But after a while, you know, I mean, you get excited when manna falls and you go, manna. You know what manna means in Hebrew? What is this? That's what it means, literally. So remember in the Bible, God rained down manna? They, they, they were blown away by it. They said, this is angel's food. That's what they said. Do you remember them same people later on? Say, we're sick of this manna. <laughs> Human nature, right? We're sick of this manna. We want quail. <laughs> Give us meat. We're sick of this manna. Can you imagine being sick of manna that falls daily, six days a week, really, from heaven? But you get sick of it. When God was doing an awesome move of God over in Brunswick with Bob Shadow and stuff like that, when that, when that first happened, you couldn't even get in the building. Miracles, healings, deliverance. By the time that I got there, on a Thursday night, I believe it was. Was it Thursday night? Regardless. But when I got there, Channel 4 Jacksonville Eyewitness News was there. They were there. But you could sit anywhere you wanted in the building. Because the people was like, ah, manna, we've already eaten that. We've already seen it. Channel 4 was there. There was a lady had died of cancer on a stretcher that they flew in from Toronto. She was there, and her family, believing for her miracle. There were other people there, but most of the local church, ah, we didn't seen that. Been there, done that, got T-shirt. What else you got, God? What else you got? We done had manna. What else you got? What we got? Any, you got a quail service we can go to? <laughs> Fly in some quail. We might come to that. If Jesus was actually appeared and he was preaching here every Sunday, it'd be packed for a few Sundays. But after a while, people say, I done seen that. I done seen that. I done heard him. I've heard that before. And I'm not trying to bring you down. I'm just saying you got to understand you have to resist that thing. And you have to cultivate a heart that gets excited about the things of God. A lot of people, unfortunately, have got what they wanted out of the virus. They got their excuse not to come to church. But you know sooner or later now you're going to have to man up and own it. Because after a while, this thing's going to pass. And then you're going to have to come up with some other reason you ain't coming back then. Now, I've talked to people that don't even go to this church in town that goes to the Methodist church, the Baptist church, and I've talked to several people not just because they know I'm a preacher, and they've told me they ain't going back. I had a lady that owns a business in town, and it, one of the, well, I ain't going to say where, because you'll try to figure out who it is, but, but uh, I was just in there doing business, and she said, well, how's your church, and this and that, because I always want to ask you that stuff, you know, and uh, I said, well, we down, you know, we ain't running what we were for this, you know, she said, well, I'm not going back, she said, I've got where I enjoy my Sunday morning now, <laughs> she said, I just, you know, get up, and I turn on Sunday morning coming down on the Vidal's radio station, she said, that's my church. She said, that's what it's going to be from now on. I said, you heathen. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I just realized that she's just an example of many. Are you saying this wrong to come to church? No, I'm not saying this wrong to come to church. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this wrong not to come to church. I'm just telling you that you've, you're missing something bigger here. Missing something much bigger here. There are things that happen when we do what the Bible says. In Hebrews, by failing not to assemble the sale of yourself together. God says even in the worst it gets out here, so much more 
when you see that day approaching. Fail not to assemble yourselves together, whereby encouraging one another. See, that's the part. I'm about done, but that's the part that people miss. See, they have, they have been deceived into thinking that church is for them and all about them, and they become self-centered, self-focused, and, 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 and that's where it's heartbreaking for pastors. To really, you really see it because, see, a lot of you I know and many of you don't, but, but to see you going through tough things and to look out of my peripheral and see both your hands in the air worshiping and praising God, that encourages me. I'm encouraged by that. See, that's the part. That's why God said don't fail to assemble. Thereby, God, don't, God didn't say fail not to assemble thyself together because I'm going to be mad at you if you don't. God said fail not to assemble yourself together and so much more as you see the day approaching. What day? The end day. As you see that day approaching, whereby encouraging. See, I want to encourage you. I don't know if you know that, but some Sundays I don't feel like coming either. But my wife tells me I have to come, I'm the pastor. <laughs> but as far as feeling like coming, to be honest with you, through some of this I've sat here. Well, see, I'm at a position now, I don't have to do any of this for money. I'm not here for money, never have been here for money. God said, don't muzzle the ox treading out the corn. But I would say this to you, I don't mean that arrogant. But what I'm saying to you, as I have said, I've had a few Sundays in my heart where I've said, I don't know how many more Sundays I can do this. Is it okay to be that honest with you? I don't know how many more Sundays I can do this. And I know then I'm letting my eyes direct me instead of my heart. I'm becoming focused on what the empty chairs or the this or that or on the, you know, and I, and I have to just do what I'm trying to encourage you to do. I have to remind myself because, see, that I'm, getting my, I'm allowing that to come bigger than God. And I'm starting to lose heart. I don't want to lose heart. By God's grace, I'm not going to lose heart. See, the works preacher will preach this to you, and it'll make it all about the widow, the persistent widow. And, and she becomes the focus, and she becomes the, the star of the parable. That is error. Jesus used the, the negative to accentuate the positive. And, and, and the purpose of the parable, lest you've not seen it so far, is to focus on the goodness and the grace of a loving father. And God says, do you hear what that unjust judge said? And he answered her prayer. Now shall not God, who loves you, not, will he not speedily answer your prayers? And God's trying to say, the, the, the star of this parable, Jesus is saying, is my daddy. He's not like this guy at all. This guy is a ruthless, unjust judge that's not even doing what he's getting paid to do. And, and he don't like God, nor does he like people. But he, he answered a prayer. Now, God's saying, I want you to always pray, but I want you, what, listen, what fuels continual prayer is not somebody telling you you ought to pray continually. What fuels continued prayer is you have a revelation of the grace and the goodness of a loving Father who you do not have to beg, who you do not have to get a petition together, and who you do not have to get a special person to pray your prayer. Oh, you, oh, you need to get that person to pray. They're close to God. No, no. You don't have to go get that guy to pray for you or to get that person. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you, if, you got, if you got to say, I've got to drive 100 miles or 500 miles to get that man of God or that woman of God to pray for me because God will answer his prayer better than mine, then you do not have the revelation yet of who your father is and how much he loves you and how great his grace is towards you. Amen. Stand to your feet, please. Amen. And that's what I want you to see. Man, and it broke my heart this week. I wasn't even looking for that. You know, just over 60% of our American people now are suffering, it said, from some level of mental disorder. That's what it said. Due to all the things that's going on in the world. Let us not be in that number. Our God has not changed. He is the unchangeable, steady anchor that our hope is in. He is my hope. He didn't come to give me hope. He came to be my hope. 
God didn't come to give me peace. He came to be my peace. Big difference. And so what I want you to see is the star here is God. And yes, God wants us to be persistent. But you know what keeps me persistent in prayer? Because I've got prayers that are, that are unanswered as far as manifested the answer. Now, sometimes God don't answer your prayer, like I said a few Sundays ago, because I was praying way inferior to what God wanted for me and my family. I'm talking about in regard to a home. My highest level was this. God said, I'm trying to bless you with this. So, no, I'm not going to answer that prayer. And it, that, that there's going to be delayed because I'm not going to answer that one at all because I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. <laughs> I'm going to bless you more than you even know I'm going to bless you. So that's who God is. I think there's somewhere that God will do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think of him. Is that in there? Yeah, it's in there. Yeah, that's who, that's who he is. So can I just tell you that God's got better for you than you got for yourself? And I want to end with this statement. There is nowhere in the Bible that you can ever see where it says the, bat, the greatest days are behind you. And that's not a little Christian cr cliche. That is hard Bible. God, said, God says over and over, do not say that the former days are better than these. The reason they call the present the present is because you've got a present. It's called the present. Do something with it. Unwrap it. It's a present. Unwrap it. Your best days, according to the Bible are in front of you. Now, how many believes that heaven is actually in front of you as a Christian? So there, I just proved it for you. Your best days are ahead of you. But I mean beyond that. Your best days. I look back on, on you know, we got this little thing in our, my wife bought me some years ago that, uh, what is it, Amazon Echo Show or whatever deal, but it plays the pictures. So it's setting up and it rolls through pictures, you know, family pictures. And we were looking at those grandbabies, you know, and we can see them when they were born and and, you know, and if we're not careful sometimes, me and wife, we've talked about, you know, kind of make you sad. Because you look back and, you know, and they're growing up so fast and this and that and stuff. You know, but it's just human nature sometimes to think that those days were the best days. But do you know five years from now we're going to say these days were the best days? <laughs> you really will. There's so much wrote about 2020, you know, the year from hell and all that kind of stuff people's putting out there. You know, but you, you're not home yet. This, this is not heaven. And again, I've said it over and over. God didn't send the COVID. God is a healer, not a killer. The enemy sent this, and we know. But, but we are his agents, his ambassadors, to do something about it. And believe it or not, I believe the Lord's trying to encourage us right in here, in this local church even. Now, I, I could, I, there, there's a group, what I do in insurance, but it's AHIP, it's American Health Insurers insurance providers now these are the, this is the company well this is a organization of all health you know insurance companies in other words these are the guys that are paying the bills for the people that have insurance with this covid and i and i decided not to bring out a lot of stuff but 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 i'm because people will debate you on it and it depends on who's feeding you what you you know what you believe in but the insurance companies that are writing the checks to pay the hospital bills, saying that in the past three weeks, the numbers have gone down America-wide cases. I understand hot spots. I understand this and that. Okay, So I'm not here to debate all that. And that's not my main point, trying to prove things are getting better, blah, blah, whatever. That's not the deal. It don't matter what's going to – I mean, it matters because people are we, – we had a – the pastor that married me and my wife, I told you his wife died, COVID. It breaks my heart. I mean, her fence borders my mama's fence, okay? I mean, that, that touched home to us, to me and my wife particularly. And it brought great fear, too, to my mom. I had talked to mom, you know, mom, I mean, that's, that's right across the fence, dead. And I could see mom just getting overwhelmed with the fear, and naturally so. She's in that age bracket, same age as, as the lady. Mom might be even a year or two older, right? but right the same age. And I, I said, Mom, you know, and, and you know, my counsel to my mom, do the right thing. You know, do, do, do that that can protect yourself. But don't fear, Mama. Don't fear. 
My oldest son, he <laughs> he just says it often. You know, he said we got to be about living or be about dying. You just got to choose. And I don't mean that recklessly, but I'm not going to cow down and not live. I remember when they flew the planes into the towers. Well, that shut everything down for a while too, didn't it? Short-lived, I understand a different thing. But people, you, you got to decide if you're going to live or die. I, I just don't have many days. I don't want to waste the days that I got. I'm going to use wisdom. I'm going to do whatever. But I'm, I'm not going to live in fear. I mean, worst case scenario, I'm just going to be home with Jesus and my daddy. I win either way. I win either way. Paul said, I have a desire to depart. To be with the Lord, which is far better. But he said, I know that it's needful that I remain here to be a blessing to you. But Paul was saying, either way, man, <laughs> I win. <laughs> I've already won, right? And I want you to don't lose heart. you got no reason to lose heart if you have a revelation of the grace and goodness of God. Amen? All right, come on, let's give him praise. He's worthy of it. All right, God bless you. We love you. Amen. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.